Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Good morning, everyone. Wasn't that just an amazing song by Riley Susan? Wow. The apple does not fall far from the tree on that one, I'll tell you that. Well, we're in a series called The Good Old Days. And all of us have this mindset of when we remember a time when life was just a little bit simpler. When life was good, when everything seemed to be going well. And you hear it all the time. You hear people say, oh man, the good old days. When music was music, you know? When the times were better. I'm just going to give that a minute. <laughs> so for me, the good old days was when I was back in college. I was living in the dorms, had my freedom. There was probably about 10 guys on the floor that I had a really good relationship with. You know what, the older you get, it's harder to maintain really close relationships as life happens. But this was a time where I remember having some really close guy friends, some close bonds. I mean, we would play video games without a care in the world. Uh, Every Saturday, we'd get up and play flag football together. At midnight, we'd just go to Perkins, which is uh, Minneapolis's version of Ramshorn. We'd just get up. Hey, let's just go. We'd eat burgers, fries, shakes. Didn't gain a pound. I mean, the good old days, right? (laughs) You didn't worry about what you ate. I remember in 1999 in Minneapolis filling up my gas tank for 89 cents a gallon. Come on, somebody. You remember the good old days. I would take Megan out on some dates, and it was just so much fun because we lived right downtown in Minneapolis, and there was all these beautiful sights to see. And then I would come home for Christmas break. You know, you'd be away at school and you'd come home from Christmas break and it was a whole entire month with no schoolwork, no job, got to sleep in every single day. My mom would spoil me. She would make me breakfast every morning when I was home, make all my favorite meals. My parents and grandparents, they'd take us shopping for Christmas. I'd get a whole new wardrobe just seemed like everything was good. Everyone was healthy and doing well. My faith was at an all-time high. I was growing closer and closer to God. He was leading me and guiding me. The good old days, it just seemed so amazing. Do you have a season like that? I want everyone to do something for me. I want everyone to close their eyes. And I'm going to have 30 seconds of silence. And I want you to just try to think of a time period in your life that was good, that you would say that's the good old days. Go ahead and think about that for 30 seconds.
You can open your eyes. As you were thinking about that, did just a little warmth come over your soul? Maybe there was some music associated, probably some 90s music, because that's when music was music. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But here's the problem with the whole good old days theory. Here's the problem. It's we remember all of the good, but we tend to block out the bad. We think back to a time when life was good, it was simple, just seemed so much better than it is today, but we forget about all the chaos that was going on during that time. When I really started thinking back about my time at college, here's what I wasn't remembering earlier. I was literally tired and exhausted all of the time. I was studying, I was working, so I wouldn't go super deep into student loan debt. I had the stress of exams all the time. My future was on the line. I was cramming in studying. I had to write 10 to 20 page papers every single week at school. I mean, how many college students do we have in here? You know, what, you know what I'm talking about, where you have like an eight-page paper, but you're trying to stretch it to 10, so you use the big font, and you, you, instead of 12, you go to 13 and hope that the professor won't notice? It's doing that kind of stuff. I worked jobs that I hated just to make money. I mean, I worked 20 hours a week, Monday through Friday, at Wells Fargo Bank as a customer service representative. I had angry people calling me all day long telling me how the bank messed up, took some of their money, and that's why they overdrew their account. And every single time when we would go back and look at it, it was the fact they couldn't balance their check register, not the bank's fault. But over and over and over and over again, we went. The good old days. And even though I lived on a dorm floor with 10 guys that I was close to, there was times I felt so alone. And I remember I had been dating the woman of my dreams for a couple years, and I just wanted to get married, and it felt like so far off. On top of that, Minneapolis was really cold. I mean, we think this is cold. This is not cold compared to Minneapolis. I'm talking when you walk outside in Minneapolis, your nose hairs freeze. It's just like instant. And it's cold and snowy from October to May. I also remember that while we were away at school, Megan's grandfather passed away, and we were not able to come home for the funeral, and it was just a tough, heart-wrenching, heart-aching season. You see, sometimes we look back at the good old days with rose-colored glasses, and we forget that there were hard times and pain there as well. If I were to have you go back and think about what you were thinking about during the 30 seconds of silence, that time period, I'm sure if you went back, you could remember there were some bad times too. So here's the lie. The lie is this. Your best days are behind you. That's the lie. The truth is this. You are living in the good old days right now.
right now. If it's all about your mindset, because I don't care if you're 14 years old or 94 years old in this place, if you have the right mindset, this can be the good old days right here in front of us. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of John, chapter 2, verse 1. It's the Christmas season, and during this time, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we know the story, if you've grown up in church, even if you haven't grown up in church, you probably know the story of Mary and Joseph, how an angel appeared to Mary and said, you are with child, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, to the Savior of the world, God's Son. That's who you're going to give birth to. And then Joseph freaked out because Mary was pregnant. He thought she had cheated on him, but she didn't. Angel appears to Joseph and says, no, this is true. What she's telling you is true. You have the Son of God living in Mary. It was exciting times for Mary. It was a little nerve-wracking, but Mary, she was so excited to tell people that she's carrying the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I mean, she thought, people are going to celebrate with me. People are going to praise God with me. These, we're living in the good old days right now. The prophecy of the Old Testament's coming true, and we're living out the good old days. She just thought, God's going to take such good care of me because of this calling he's given me. But here's the truth. Most people didn't believe her story. People thought she had an affair. And people said some really terrible things to her. And I can just imagine if you're Mary and you have this call of God on your life and you're chosen by God to carry his son, she had to be thinking at any moment, God is going to come down with an audible voice to every one of my friends and family members who don't believe me, and he's going to tell them the truth. I mean, if an angel appeared to me and appeared to Joseph, I'm going to get vindicated to my friends and family. God's going to tell them, right? He's certainly not going to let people think totally weird things about me. But God was silent to the friends and family. Can you imagine just for a minute every family holiday or every get-together in the subdivision and, and Jesus was born and he's growing up and they're celebrating his birthday and she's telling people, like, pretty soon you'll see. Pretty soon you'll see. And some people believed her. I really believe some people really believed her and got behind her. But other people just roll their eyes and say, here she goes again, trying to make up this story. Then she finally can't take it anymore when Jesus starts his earthly ministry and she asks her son to perform a miracle. And that's where we're going to pick up the story here in John chapter 2, verse 1. John says this, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, Hey, 
They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Gotta love moms. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I heard you, but just do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. He says, a host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone's had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So let's unpack this just a little bit because there's some interesting things found in this passage of Scripture. Number one is that Mary and Jesus were invited to this wedding and Mary was doing most of the preparations for this wedding, which means it had to be an intimate friend or relative of Mary for her to have this kind of responsibility. Jesus was invited because of his mother. So Mary knew that a shortage of wine would be considered disgraceful in Eastern hospitality. So Mary asks, well, more like tells Jesus to do a miracle. You ever wonder how she knew he could do it? You think he practiced that at home a few times? (laughs) Hey, Mom, check this out. I would do that. I I don't know. (laughs) But when Jesus says to his mom, dear woman, that's not my problem. My time has not yet come. When you study that you'll find that this phrase is a phrase of refusal or protest due to the reasons or motives of her mind. Which means this was a refusal on Jesus' part because he knew the motives of his mother's mind. And I believe what that means is Mary knew that her close friends and family were at this event and she just couldn't wait for Jesus to do something. She wanted to show people who he was. So Jesus honors his mother and he tells these these servants to get these water jars. Now these stone jars, they were used to wash everybody's feet as they came into the wedding celebration. That's what these jars of water were for. There was 135 gallons worth of water that was now empty. And so Jesus tells them to refill 135 gallons worth of water and he turns that into wine because Jesus never just gives us barely enough. He does exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or imagine. So we know the story of the governor of the feast, the cupbearer, the guy who was there to make sure no food or wine was contaminated. There was no embarrassment to the marriage family. He tested everything before it went out. And he says, this is the best wine of the night. And when he declared that, the Bible says his disciples began to put their faith in him. And I can just see Mary grinning from ear to ear. At least someone knows now 
the servants and the disciples, if no one else knows, at least they know. She was finally vindicated. Her son finally performed a miracle in front of someone. The good old days were about to start. Everyone will see now that she's this woman of God, that what she was saying was true. They will repent. They will ask for her forgiveness. Her moment will be coming. Let's read one more passage of Scripture found in Mark 6, 1 through 6. Mark says this, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that he's been given? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So after the miracle at Cana, Jesus went out, started his ministry, performed many miracles, and the rumors were flying that there was a man out there with wisdom who was performing miracles. People are predicting he's the Messiah. So he comes to his own hometown. Which, by the way, Cana and Nazareth were 3.7 miles away from each other. That's it. 3.7 miles. In fact, where he did the miracle in Cana and where he was, his hometown in Nazareth, where he was during this story, was only nine miles from each other. Isn't it amazing? Nine miles, and you have the respect, and you have people who believe in you, and then you come home to your hometown, just nine miles closer. And what do these people start saying? At first, they're like, this guy's got a ton of wisdom. We sense something really special about this guy, something supernatural. But then they started thinking about who he was. Isn't this the carpenter? That word carpenter in the Greek means common laborer. Isn't this this common laborer who's now parading around as a teacher? Most scholars believe that the rumor about Jesus had circulated that he was an illegitimate child. And they knew his family, they knew Mary, they knew Joseph, they knew his brothers, and they said, this is that Jesus. They were offended. That word, when it says they took offense at him, that word in the Greek is the Greek word scandalizo, which is translated offense due to scandal. There's no way this guy could be special. There's no way this guy could be the Messiah. There's no way this guy could have the wisdom he has because of the scandal of his birth. So we can conclude that they were offended. They didn't believe because they knew his story. Now, I don't believe Jesus was powerless there. I believe that Jesus 
what he was doing when it says he didn't perform any miracles there, it was because the absence of belief was there. And if he were to perform miracles with the absence of belief, it would violate the free will that God chooses to give every single one of us. See, love and relationship are not possible without free will. So God doesn't force us to believe. He doesn't force himself on us. He gives us the choice. And when we believe and we put our faith in him, we experience him. And when we don't, we don't. Not because he can't do it, but because he chooses not to affect our free will. You see, there's no love in controlling someone. But I always feel bad for Mary when I read this passage. I do, because here she was, this woman of God, set apart to do this amazing thing, had this amazing calling on her life. And she thought, man, the good old days, we're going to live them out, the prophecy, it's all happening, and I'm a part of the story. It should have been special, it should have been amazing. But it was hard. But here's what I love about Mary. I believe that Mary was able to tune out the bad and focus on the good things that were in front of her. I believe that's why God called her and chose her for this, because he knew she could do it. And I believe the fact that she got to raise the Son of God, the fact that she got to be a part of this story and experience Jesus her whole life trumped every negative thing that came. But it's all about mindset, right? See, living out the good old days is all about our mindset, what we choose to believe about our circumstances right here and right now. They play a powerful role. The lie is this, that your, your best days are behind you. The truth is this, your best days are in front of you. You're living out the good old days right now if you have the right mindset. So I'm going to give you four practical ways to live out the good old days right here, right now. These things will help you realize what you have. Number one, stop caring what people think. Stop caring what people think. Mary had to come to this place where she just stopped caring what they thought. She had, to, she had to go on God's promises. She had to start to believe what God said about her. She had to keep going back to that encounter with the angel, knowing that she had the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was in her home. Who cares what people think? I'm just going to go on what God thinks. And that is so important, because people will try to tell you what you're not all the time. They will try to tell you what you can do and what you can't do all the time. But you know what? I want to go by what God says I can do. I want to go by what God, who God says I am. And God says, I'm a son of the living God. God says, I am forgiven of my past. God says, I have a great future in front of me. God put his Holy Spirit in me and wants to lead me and guide me and do supernatural things in me and through me and all of you as well. That's who God says we are. 
People will define you by your mistakes. People will tell you you're disqualified because of this or disqualified because of that, but that's not what God says. Amen. And I want to go by what God says and stop caring so much about what people think. That's number one. Number two, surround yourself with a good community. It kind of goes hand in hand with number one. Surround yourself with good people who are going to build you up. The Bible says that he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk around with wise people. Have a community full of people who can build you up, who speak life into you, who set you up the best for success. That's who you want around you. A good community, a good family, it can change everything for you. And I believe Mary ended up doing this. I think this is how she got through the tough times. I believe she chose to surround herself with the people who did believe in her, who were there during the hard times. Even at the cross, you see her mourning, and there were people around her mourning with her. And Jesus said to John, this is now your mother. Take care. Have a community around her. Support her. Be there for her. The community is so important. When I was growing up around Christmas time, every Christmas time, my dad loved the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. He just loves it. It's like his favorite of all time. And he would say, guys, we're picking the day. Pick the day. But we are all watching this movie as a family. And we watched it year after year, after year, after year, after year. Finally, when we got a little bit older, Tony and I would start to roll our eyes at the thought of watching It's a Wonderful Life again. And so he would fast forward all the way, or he'd watch it and then just call us all in the room when we got to a part, his favorite part of the whole thing. And it's when George Bailey's standing on the bridge. Spoiler alert coming if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it by now, you're probably not going to see it. So I'm going to spoil it anyway. George Bailey's standing on the bridge, and he starts to say, I want my life back. I realize I had it pretty good, that it's better if I lived. I want to live again. It starts snowing again. He runs home to his family. He gets in his house and he's got his kids and his wife and he's so excited. He doesn't care about the bad anymore. He's focusing on what's right in front of him, what's good and what happens in this moment. If you know the story, he's $8,000 in the hole and they're going to take him to jail because he lost $8,000 and his whole community, this whole community of people walk into his house one by one and they start putting money now. And they bail him out of the jam that he was in. That's the power of having a good community around you. That when you're going through tough times, they're there for you. My dad's favorite part. Watch it over and over and over again because it, there's a line in there, in the card, that says no man is a failure who has friends. And I'm telling you, 
Having the right community around you will help you create remember when moments and live out the good old days right here, right now. The third thing is this. If we're going to live out good old days, it's this. Focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. Focus on what you have, not what you don't have. George Bailey, again, he always focused on what he didn't have, what wasn't good in his life, but then he has this epiphany that doesn't care because he's got this wonderful family and friends around, and now he's choosing to focus on what he has versus what he doesn't have. And we have to do that as well. It's so easy sometimes to look around at everyone else's life. And say, man, if I only had that, if I could only do that, my life would be way better. My life would be complete. And it's so easy to compare ourselves all the time to other people, to other families. Compare our kids to other kids, our spouses to other spouses, our homes to other homes, and say, if I only had what they have, life would be better. If I had a better job, if I had a better spouse, if I had better kids, if I had better parents, life would be different. But we've got to focus on what we have not on what we don't have. Has anyone ever gone on a diet? (laughs) I have, and I hate them. I gotta be honest. Because the minute I go on a diet, you know what I start thinking about? Everything I can't have. (laughs) I can't have that ice cream. Can't have that chocolate syrup. I really wanna order those cheese sticks, chicken wings, and french fries, but I guess I'll get a salmon salad instead. You start focusing on everything you can't have. And people who do that fail at most diets. I have many times. The people who are successful are the ones that look at what they can have. Stop thinking about what you can't. I can have this. I can have this. I can have this. That's the people who are the most successful. And I'm telling you, sometimes... We just focus on what we don't have instead of what we do and we live this life of striving and striving and always wanting more and never being content and never being satisfied and focusing so much on everyone else's life and what you don't have that you miss the good old days that are happening right in front of us. Right now we miss it because we're focusing on everything we don't have instead of understanding what we do. Everyone who's in this room, we're blessed. We are blessed and we have a lot. But it's easy to begin to focus on what we don't have versus what we do have. I believe Mary had to do that time and time again. Okay, I'm going to stop thinking about the fact that people doubt me, the fact that people don't believe me. I'm going to start focused. What do I have? I have Jesus in my home. I never have to drink water again. 
if I don't want to. I mean, there's some great things about it. The fourth thing, if we're going to live out the good old days, is this. We've got to leave a legacy. Now's the time to start thinking about legacy. And if you're older in this place, if you're in your 80s or in your 90s and you're here, it's probably really easy to think back about the good old days. Maybe there's some things that you can't do anymore that you wish you could still do. But I'm telling you, this is the time to focus on leaving your legacy. Focus on what you do have instead of what you don't have. Because now you're in a position to leave a legacy. And I want to brag on my grandparents here real quick. Jim and Joanne Bongiorno, sorry guys to put you on the spot. But what I love about them is it would be very easy for them to complain about some things that they can't do or can't do anymore, don't have the ability to do anymore. But what they do is they focus on what they do have. And every single year around this time, they give all of us grandkids a huge Christmas gift, a huge monetary Christmas gift. And if I told you the amount, you'd think I'm spoiled. And I am. But I I just want to (laughs) say, what they've chosen to do now is to say, I've lived the life, I've had the memories, I've traveled, I've done the fun things, but now I want to leave a legacy to the next generation, the generation and the generation. They have four generations that they're leaving legacy to right here, right now. Now, and that becomes the priority. That becomes what brings fulfillment to their lives. And I want to thank you guys. You know, I don't hear them complain. I've never heard them complain. I just hear them talk about all the fun that they still do have and the things that they still can do. And I want to thank you for that. Maybe you're here right now and maybe you're older and you can't leave a monetary legacy to the next generation. That's okay. There's so much more to legacy than money. There's wisdom. There's knowledge. There's time you can invest. There's stories and memories that you have that you can share. There's so much you can do to leave a legacy that will go on way further than we'll ever live our lives. And even if you're younger in this place, it's time to start thinking about legacy now. How can I invest? What kind of choices can I make? How can I invest in the future so that I can leave a legacy to generation and generation and generation to come? Because when we start to do that, we literally are living out the good old days. Think about Mary for just a minute. The legacy she has. She doesn't get to see what's happening in the world now. Because of her sacrifice, because of her life of sacrifice, because of her legacy, billions of people 
have come to know Jesus Christ and put their faith in him. Billions of people's lives have been radically changed by the good news of Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Holy Spirit. We've experienced powerful moves of God because she was willing to leave a legacy, not care what people think, focus on what she had instead of what she didn't have. She left a legacy for us. People still talking about Jesus. More and more people still putting their faith in him every single day. That's the power of legacy. And we all have the ability to leave that to the next generation. So living out the good old days, here's the lie. The good old days are behind you. Here's the truth. Your best days are in front of you. It's all about your mindset. If you, this Christmas season, can stop caring about what other people think, focus on God's promises, surround yourself with a good community of people, focus on what you can do instead of what you can't do, and leave a legacy, you will live out the good old days every single day from here on out. So I want to close with the words of a great poet of our time, Macklemore. If you're over 50, you have no idea what I just said, but that's okay. This is the song, his song, Good Old Days, the lyrics. Never thought we'd get old, maybe we're still young. Maybe we always look back and think it was better than it was. Maybe these are the moments. Maybe I've been missing what it's about. Been scared of the future, thinking about the past while missing out on now. We've come so far, I guess I'm proud. I'm not worried about the wrinkles around my smile. I've got some scars I've been around. I've felt some pain. I've seen some things, but I'm here now. These are the good old days. I want to leave you with that thought today. Think about that. These are the good old days. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you first and foremost for what you did for me on the cross. The fact that you came into a world subject to your own creation and your own people rejected you and thought the worst of you. But that didn't stop you because you had this reckless love for us. That doesn't even seem right. But you push past all of the barriers and all of the boundaries. And you made your way to this earth for us. And you went to that cross for us. And I thank you for the cross. I thank you that you rose from the dead. I thank you that we have faith in who you are, that every day we can have an intimate relationship with you, God. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for giving us your spirit and leading and guiding us. We need you, God. Thank you. And God, I thank you that even though people in this room have experienced tremendous pain, tremendous loss, and they can remember a day maybe before the pain, before the loss, I still believe, Lord, 
that their best days are in front of them, that you will redeem it, that you will heal, and that you will give them some good old day memories in the future. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys as you go. Enjoy the Christmas season. Just enjoy it. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org. 